You still got that uh, Jeep on that trailer that I helped you go pick up, John? Actually, at the moment, it's off the trailer. So if you need the trailer back anytime in the next week and a half, it's uh, good to go. But I've got the engine and trans out, and it's ready to go back on the trailer, and I'll start ripping all the axles and suspension out. Oh, very cool. I don't need it back right now. But okay. uh, So did you drive it down the road? I drove it to the end of the driveway and back. Managed to get it into third gear. Worked fine. Uh, drove around the yard to circle around and come back to park it where I was going to work on it. And all three of the gearbox bolts sheared off, and I lost steering. <laughs> so it's a really good thing I didn't get it on the road and get it up to 55. So it's a good thing that we didn't that we picked it up and trailered it instead of having you try to drive it home all that distance. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, but we got it running. All right. So that was impressive. A carbureted 4.0. That was different. Oh, that is so, weird. Yeah, but I uh, pulled the engine, got the intake manifold off, some other odds and ends separated. Got a nice pile of stuff I'm keeping, and then uh, the rest is available. All right. Well, available for sale. Yes, yes. Okay. Pretty cool. Um, I'm excited. So uh, this is going to be part of our uh, update for Project XJ, huh? Yes, sir. All right. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. Broadcasting from the Thin Line Off-Road Studio, they're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up, here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. Welcome to Wheelin' with Keith and Johnny Orange. I am Johnny Orange, and sitting next to me today, Mr. Keith is uh, having a panic attack. I thought we were going <laughs> to actually use that. Yeah, what the heck? Let's go with it, John. Okay. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I I just got tongue-tied uh, like crazy there for a second. It happens. <laughs> um, so how is uh, Project XJ coming along? Uh, it's moving. I've got another pile of parts. Unfortunately, one of the pile is now gone. I did. Uh, I bought another Jeep for the parts, and it had a nice upgraded all-copper and brass radiator. So I was all excited to swap that in. That simplified part of my build. But I made the smart decision to pressure test it first, and it failed. Uh, the radiator the failed, radiator or, the, or the, failed. the hoses failed? The radiator, radiator. failed. Yeah. I was leaking from one of the... Uh, the tanks, yeah. Mm. I put some soapy water on it, pressurized it to about 16, which is what the... Uh, factory radiator cap calls okay yeah it foamed bad can you fix it i mean i probably could but the amount of time and money i'm going to spend to do that not that it's crazy expensive but i can get a new one for like 60 to 80 bucks not worth messing with then okay not really no so, so our listeners what we're talking about right now is john got a hold of me uh, a little over a week ago he had bought a um, what two thousand ish yeah two thousand Jeep Cherokee two thousand Jeep Cherokee yep. um, Facebook Marketplace that we yep. found it and yep. didn't run so we went out and we picked it up put it on my trailer um, it was about uh, Greater Detroit area but it was mm. uh, I don't know fifty miles away so went and picked it up and brought it back to John's place uh, so he could rob a bunch of parts for mm-hmm. his Project XJ. Um, had a lot of cool parts. It was lifted, had a winch oh, yeah. bumper, winch. Um, yeah, it was a manual trans swap. 
Yeah, so, it, had, yeah. it was a, it was originally an automatic Jeep, but now yep. it had an AX15 in it. The the fun part, the uh, so it's got an aftermarket clutch master and slave cylinder, which I may try to recycle into mine. I don't know because of the condition of the slave cylinder. Uh, most of those have a rounded over push rod in them, not a five and a half inch uh, extension for a ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. Hang on, hang on. That's what the. That's what, what the push rod. That's is. what the push rod of the slave <laughs> yeah. was. It had a extension for yep, a ratchet. Five and a half inch, three eighths drive ratchet extension. I mean, it works. So. Okay, all right. I think if I use that, I'm going to probably get the actual push rod for it. But uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that is uh, that's crazy. So oh, you already yeah. got the trans pulled out and everything. Yep, trans is out. Transfer case is separated from it. It, uh, I mean, it looks good. I got to clean it up a little more, but yeah, that's uh, <laughs> all right. So, well, there's a lot of great parts on it. You got a smoking oh, deal yeah. on it. Yeah, um, I'm glad we trailered it instead of you trying to get it running there yeah, and driving it, it back. It took a little bit. We had to drain all the old gas out, uh, put some sea foam in it with a couple gallons of new gas, and it, it's carbureted. I don't know much about carburetors, but I had uh, my dad. Um, he gave me a hand, little tweaks on the carb, and we got it running. So it needed a lot of adjustment, way, way more than I had time or anything to put into to get it running properly. All right. And the wiring harness was pretty stripped out. It, it needed a lot to get going, so it just made sense to part it. Okay, so, so. you parted it out. That's awesome. This is your parts rig. Yep. You promised our listeners that you were going to give us a uh, update as to what you did to Project XJ. I'm not counting the, uh, buying a parts <laughs> rig as uh, an update to the mm -hmm. project. So what did you get done in Project XJ this week? Uh, I got some dust off it. <laughs> That's about it right now. John. Well, you got to have parts to put into it. So uh, it's <laughs> it's going to take me a couple days to get the garage cleaned out, get everything set up to start working on it again. Clock's ticking, buddy. Yep, September 1st is the deadline. If it's not done by then, it's gone. So next a few episodes, we should make some significant progress with that. Uh, okay, I'm, so. I'm hoping for those progress updates. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of our new segment, which we've been doing in the beginning, and it seems to work out all right, a um, couple things in the news right now. Uh, last episode... I could not remember. I knew there was another death in the off-roading community. Um, it was specifically not in the off-roading community, but uh, Mr. Lee Iacocca had passed away. Yes. Um, uh, you know, our condolences to uh, the Iacocca family. Uh, where Lee Iacocca comes in to the world of 4x4s and off-roading, uh, as far as I know, he wasn't really a 4x4 enthusiast. In fact, um, he has supposedly said, now I've never found, say, a recording of this, but I have read this quoted several times over the years. He supposedly said during the AMC takeover, um, by Chry or I'm, during the Chrysler takeover of AMC back in the 80s, that he thought Jeep was a dying brand and that mm. Jeep would not be around in the future. Um, I'm not 100% sure if he actually said that or if it was kind of paraphrased. But um, I've read that several places that he mm. was never a fan of the Jeep brand. Um, but uh, he did want um, the technology that was made in the Eagle automobile, which is the all-wheel drive um, viscous coupling transfer case. It was called the Ferguson Formula. Mm. 
and he wanted that for Chrysler Motors. And a lot of automotive historians that have studied the downfall of American Motors have attributed the downfall of American Motors with the fact that Chrysler, led at the time by Lee Iacocca, wanted the all-wheel drive technology of the Eagle for themselves so badly. And there was a lot of things that went back and forth. And I would like to do in the future a whole episode on the AMC Eagle and, of course, Lee Iacocca's involvement with it. That'd be cool. So, you know, Lee Iacocca is considered by many to be a hero that saved Chrysler through the 80s. Mm -hmm. And, indeed, he was that. Um, To the AMC guys, which, of course, AMC at the time owned Jeep, um, he's considered to be, I don't, I don't really want to use the word villain because that's probably a little bit too harsh, but he's considered to be instrumental in the downfall of AMC. And that was essentially a business proposition. Um, he was very much a businessman. I do have a copy of his autobiography. I haven't read that yet. I do want to read that. Mm-hmm. But it was a business deal, and he saw AMC as having a few good things that they could pick the bones of and the rest of the company essentially being a failing company, which they essentially were by the mid-80s. Yeah. Um, so, but um, on a another 4x4 note, um, Mr. Iacocca did see a lot of promise in the Jeep Cherokee XJ platform, which had been designed, designed by AMC. Yeah. And he wished to continue that into Chrysler production. So... We do have, in a way, um, Lea Iacocca to thank for the Jeep Cherokee um, continuing into Chrysler because it's yeah. what, it's the only product that did continue over besides the Wrangler. Mm-hmm. So the Wrangler and the Jeep Cherokee continued into Chrysler production, and the rest of AMC's line, the Eagle and some of the other models they had, were all killed off. Mm. Um, so... You know, once again, um, you know, very sorry to hear that Mr. Iacocca passed. He was an industry legend. He brought Chrysler out of the financial slump that they were in in the 80s. And um, he has a rich history. We could probably do a lot more about Lee Iacocca in the future. He brought us the Mustang and the Pinto. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Was he also the one that brought us the Firebird? No, that was John DeLorean that brought us the Firebird. Um, But he did bring us a lot of great things. He also, um, in the 80s, did take and he um, streamlined and really pushed forward the K-Car platform, yep. which the K-Car platform was, of course, your Dodge Omnis and mm-hmm. your um, Dodge Challengers of the time and charge or not Challengers, Dodge Chargers. These were all front-wheel drive cars, but it was all called the K-Car platform. Yep. And that platform survived in one form or another all the way up through the Dodge Neon. Yeah. And um, that was a uh, it was a streamlined process of producing automobiles. Uh, it had not been seen really in the 1980s. Unibody design was in its infancy, mm-hmm. and the K car is widely considered to be the first widely successful unibody design vehicle. And that was um, Mr. Iacocca. He also. Um, led the introduction of the minivan mm-hmm. with the um, Chrysler Town and Country and the Dodge Caravan, which of uh, the Dodge Caravan number one is now in the um, National Registry, and they've actually displayed it when um, myself and producer Andrew went out um, through the museum to Washington D.C. Nice. last year. Um, the 
they're, they're doing the Historical Vehicle Association is actually doing a cool preservation um, process, and I'd like to cover that in, uh, in the future about what the, they're doing. Mm -hmm. But they actually had Caravan Number One right hmm. there on the National Mall That's in cool. Washington D.C. So. Um, if, it, if it was at a mall, did it have one of those boxes you could fill out a little questionnaire and have a chance to win it? <laughs> no, Probably that, not with that one. <laughs> not with that one, not with that one. That's that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, it's like win this caravan. Yeah. No, you, you can win this 1984 or whatever year it was Dodge Caravan. That'd be no, awesome. Um, no, that one's in the historic vehicle registry now. It's pretty cool. But, nice. Um, so basically, um, some of his largest con contributions to the automotive industry was the K-Car platform, the Dodge Caravan, but he also is the one who helped to uh, continue the lineage, lineage of the Jeep XJ Cherokee yeah. and um, the Jeep Wrangler for a few yeah. years. So, And I know that, uh, that's what morphed into the, the ZJ Grand Cherokee, too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, that's awesome. Um, Mr. Iacocca, sorry to hear of your passing uh, and your family. Our condolences, but that's automotive news. Any other news that you have today, John? Not that I can think of. I mean, it's really hot out today. That, that's about it. It is not that hot out. It's like 94. That's beautiful weather. No. no. You, you don't like it, huh? No. I, I like like 30s. It would be great to me. Maybe the 40s if on a warm day. Oh, okay. I'm one of those cold weather people. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you are. Yeah. Um, automotive news uh, real quickly, or at least uh, 4x4 news. Um, I just want to remind our listeners again that we have the Wheels in the Woods uh, 4x4 show coming up September 28th, 2019 in Clay Township, Michigan. You can go to the website for the Museum of Off-Road Adventure, which is themora, T-H-E-M-O-R-A dot org, and you can find more information there. Um, you can also find it through the museum's Facebook page, which is just Museum of Off-Road Adventure on Facebook. Um, so we'd like to see you out there if you can come out there with your 4x4. So if that's it uh, on our news, or did you have something else there? No. Okay. So if that's in our news, uh, a minute ago we were talking about uh, trailering and trailering your Jeep back. Mm. And that's going to be what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Sounds good to me. Trailering and at what point you decide to trailer. Now, John, you have a couple of Jeeps. Um, you drive them every Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. You drive them every day, but you the don't have a tow rig and a trailer at this point. I do not, no. Okay. And um, have you thought in your mind, like, what point you are going to be at when when you decide to do that? Like, you know, in your mind, where – and it's different for every wheeler. Some guys love to um, drive their rig to the trail all the time. They live mm -hmm. out of their Jeep or their Toyota or their Suzuki or whatever they're wheeling. Yeah. And if it – breaks they fix it out there and they still drive it home mm -hmm. but many and probably the vast majority of hardcore 4x4 enthusiasts do trailer their their rigs yeah um to the event that they're going to whether it be a trail ride or a mud bog or whatever mm -hmm. it is um in your mind do you think you would ever be a guy that trailers your rig eventually when i get to a point where it's a dedicated off-road rig i probably will start looking into those options you know, I, I still like the idea of, you know, multifunction, multipurpose builds. So building something that's capable of going off-road, doing these trails, you know, go out there, survive for a long time, and come back. And drive that's, you home. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I've always liked the idea of building as. 
So when I get to a point where it's strictly an off-road rig, you know, some one-ton axles and lockers or something, at that point it'll probably be a trailer rig. Especially if you get into, like, running, say, swamper boggers or oh, yeah. a welded axle or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell you what, um, I think this is a good natural point for us to stop, and we will talk to you again after the break. Sounds good. See you in a bit. Have you heard the good news? Now there's a local paper that people just can't seem to get enough of. It's the Thumbprint News. The Thumbprint News is free and full of interesting stories that focus on what's important in our lives. Stories that touch on this area's rich history, unique places, and the diverse cultures and people. You'll be in the know when you read the Thumbprint News. Go to thumbprintnews.com and read the paper online for free today. And we're back. Um, Just before the break, John and I were talking... Uh, well, we went through the news, and then we were talking a little bit about um, trailering, and that's what we're going to talk about this episode. And we were talking about how you know what point you decide that you're going to uh, trailer your rig. Which for many off-roaders, it's when your off-road rig gets to the point where it really isn't that friendly on the street. And that could be <laughs> very aggressive tires. That could be um, mechanical lockers, it could be welded axles, a number of different points, mm-hmm. uh, hydraulic steering, but or even a full tube buggy. But eventually, um, most off-roaders, and then of course, people who enjoy four-wheelers and snowmobiles and motorcycle or dirt bikes have to uh, trailer to the trailhead because those aren't street legal. And it's going to be a really, really long run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get, if you got on my Honda four tracks and tried to drive to the mounds, I could probably see you there sometime next week. Maybe if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and that you know, in a car, it's a two hour drive. Yeah. But um, okay, so you know, the first thing that you really should talk about when you are talking about um, trailering your vehicle is even prior to purchasing, borrowing, renting a trailer, mm-hmm. you should talk about what are you going to pull it with. Oh, yeah. And That's, yeah. Go ahead, John. Uh, I was going to say it's a big thing. I've found the truck that we have for what I need to tow doesn't work very well. Why is that? It's uh, It's got a much lower load capacity, so I, I can't tow anything heavy. And you've got an older three-quarter ton Chevy or half-ton Chevy? Uh, 1,500. 1,500 so Chevy. Half-ton yeah. Chevy, yeah. Um, and so that there you go. Um, we need to talk a little bit about load capacities. We need to talk about what things are rated for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess right out of the box, um, every vehicle that is produced in North America and even worldwide but at least sold in North America today has to come from the factory with a gross vehicle weight rating. Mm-hmm. But for our purposes, what's most important, because it has two numbers on there, it'll say gross, so GVWR, and that is how much you can carry in that vehicle mm-hmm. and drive down the road. So, for instance, you buy a pickup truck, and um, I'm just going to throw a number out there. Let's say it has a gross vehicle weight rating of 6,500 pounds. That means that the weight of the pickup truck and the weight of the passengers 
along with the weight of the cargo, is rated up to 6,500 pounds. So Decent amount. <laughs> well, yes, but if, once you start doing the math on that, yeah, you have to realize what the um, weight of the vehicle is. So let's say, and that would be a pretty light-rated pickup truck. That would be a small half-ton, maybe even a mini truck that mm-hmm. would be at 6,500 pounds. <clears throat> so with the gross vehicle weight rating, and we're not talking combined yet, the gross vehicle weight rating, if you had the 6,500-pound um, fictional vehicle we're talking about, let's say it weighs 4,000 pounds. Now, uh, because the vehicle, you have to put in the in the vehicle. So now you've got 2,500 pounds to work with. Hmm. Now you figure that you put two grown men that weigh 250 pounds apiece in mm-hmm. the cab of the truck. You knock that off. That now means that you can go down the road with 2,000 pounds in the back of the truck and I mean that's a lot of weight, but yeah. that is really the max of what that vehicle is rated yeah. at. More importantly, though, for trailering is the gross combined vehicle weight rating, mm. and the combined vehicle weight rating is what that vehicle is rated. Essentially, it's its tow rating. Okay. So what they're doing is they're saying that okay, this vehicle has a gross combined vehicle weight rating of eighteen thousand pounds. So if your entire rig and your family and your luggage and your tools that you have in the back comes to 9,000 pounds, then that means that you're limited to tow about 9,000 pounds behind you. Hmm. So that's important. So it's, it's important to know how much stuff and how many people you're going to take with you on an average yeah. basis. And then it's important to know um, how heavy your trailer is and how heavy your rig is or yeah. whatever you're hauling on the trailer. Because that whole combined load going down the road, if you took that across the scale, is ready to go up to a certain point. Hmm. Now, it's interesting to note that um, we're not going to talk in this episode much about laws mm-hmm. because um, the laws for when you're talking non-commercial vehicles, you're talking private vehicles, which these are, you know, you're taking yeah. your, your rig out to the trail in a private vehicle, very state to state. Mm-hmm. And we have listeners all over the world at this point. We have listeners in Germany, California, Canada. And so even other countries are going to have different laws. In fact, I know for an instance, if you're driving through Mexico City, Mexico, mm-hmm. it is illegal to tow a trailer for private use. Really? Yes, and you, you have to pay a, a fee to basically pass through the city huh. for a private-use trailer. Um, now, if it's commercial, you can do a different type of licensure there. Yeah. But in Mexico City, Mexico, um, there's been a number of off-roaders that have gone down through into Mexico for different mm-hmm. things that have gotten large tickets, fines for going through mm. Mexico City, Mexico with a private trailer. Jeez. Just an instance out there. So I think the best of that is to sum it up, you know, research where you're going for laws before you go kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to give you some tips that are all, that are good, safe practices for your own rig that work in all 50 states. Nice. Um, but, of course, always look at the laws and regulations of the place you live because they are different from state to state. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give you an example. In the state of Michigan, where we live, 
Um, we were one of the first states to require brakes on every axle on trailers over 1,500 pounds. Hmm. Um, many states still don't require that. Yeah. But um, many states do now as well. But we were the first to do that way back in the day. And so if you had a homemade, um, you know, Jim Bob type trailer that was built on a farm that maybe weighed four or 5,000 pounds, or maybe even you were just hauling four or 5,000 pounds and you had no brakes on that trailer and you were going down the road in Michigan, mm-hmm. that, that was actually technically illegal and you huh. could get nabbed for that. Interesting. So, um, back to the tow rig. John, what do you think um, classifies as a tow rig? What's a good idea? What, like, you know, what should someone, and I'm not talking about brand here, but, mm-hmm. but how should someone pick a tow rig? Well, I know that the first and the biggest decision that goes into that is what else you're going to use it for. If you're using a lot of daily driving, you're not going to be towing as often. You can get away with a lighter duty. But if you're going to be towing a lot, you're going to want something more heavy duty like a diesel. Exactly. Um, so, you know, what John's saying there, so if, you, if your tow rig is going to double duty as your daily driver slash family vehicle, you may choose a tow rig and... and in that matter, you also need to say, how often am I going to tow with this? Yeah. So if you're only going to tow for one or two trips a year, then something that is just barely rated to tow what you want to tow is probably going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, I have a friend that tows a very heavy Jeep, built Jeep on one-ton axles, on a fairly heavy trailer behind the short wheelbase uh, GMC Yukon. I think I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> and, or he used to. I think uh, he, he actually has a dedicated tow rig now. But, oh, nice. Um, you know, it was marginal, but it had plenty of power, mm-hmm. and it did the job. Now, if he was towing every month to events, then he would. He said, I would buy a diesel or I would oh, buy yeah. whatever, but he was only going a couple times a year. Yeah. And so that's something to think about, um, definitely. But you still want to think about, um, you know, the usage of the vehicle. Can it be a cross-use? Like, so I've got a big family. Mm-hmm. So for me to use or buy a regular cab or even a crew cab pickup truck doesn't really make a lot of sense. I've got yeah. a Ford Excursion. I can put eight people in it and I can still tow with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's that's really, you got to look at your own needs. But, oh, yeah. you know, the family minivan is probably <laughs> not going to be a good tow rig. Chances are no, but Mo- it'd be funny to see that. <laughs> most front-wheel drive vehicles have a max tow rating between two and 3,000 pounds. Yeah. So, um Towing with a front-wheel drive vehicle is probably going to be out of the picture. Yeah. I've Pit- done it. I have, too. We weren't hauling a vehicle. Uh, when my sister came back from school, my dad and I drove down. We borrowed his boss's minivan. It was a Chrysler Dodge something or other minivan. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we, we hooked the trailer up to it, drove that down to Ohio, and loaded everything up and brought her back. It uh, That was an interesting trip. <laughs> so were you overloaded, do you think? I don't think we were. I think we were pretty well within the tow specs of it. It, it had, uh, what do they call it, a loaded leveling. It had, like, two torsion bars that we put on it. Okay, so it had a load leveling kit that yeah. go on the side of the tr- tongue there. Yep, I have never seen that before, so that was very new to me. Well, you know, we're, we're actually kind of jumping forward, but let's talk about that for just a okay. second. Um, people um, out there, if you're not familiar with a load leveler, is a load leveler is a device that, bolts on to the tongue of your trailer and you actually need a special hitch to use a load leveler so it doesn't work with a standard hitch so you need to have kind of a whole package here load leveling hitch 
load leveling bar mounts on the tongue of the trailer. You put tension on these bars and it essentially raises the center of gravity. I, d I don't fully understand the geometry behind how they work, mm -hmm. but it essentially raises the center of gravity at the hitch point itself. Huh. And it makes for a more stable towing experience. And there are also additionally sway bars you can buy that will mount onto that same kit. Interesting. To keep from uh, the, you know swaying back and forth while you're yeah. going down the road. Hmm. Um, but as a disclaimer there, buying a load leveler and a load leveling hitch is still not a substitute for having a proper tow rig. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've seen that before. I've seen guys try to put a low level leveler on, say, a Ford Ranger <laughs> and then tow 15,000 pounds down the road. Now, I'm not saying that it won't tow it for short distances, but it's not an inherently safe yeah, combination. Yeah, do a lot of damage over time. Exactly. Well, and if you had to stop, you have to look <laughs> at <won't>. braking capacity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to look at the braking capacity. Yeah. So with a tow rig... Basically, you want to find out what the towing capacity of it is. Uh, this day and age, it's very easy to Google any vehicle mm -hmm. and say, what is the towing capacity of this vehicle? Yeah. And so now we talk about trailers and what you're towing. So if you're towing one snowmobile down the road on a regular basis on a lightweight aluminum trailer, and the whole combination only weighs, well, let's say, 1,500 pounds, mm -hmm. The family minivan can do that just fine. Oh, yeah. But if you're putting a fully built JK four-door hmm. on one-ton axles and 42-inch tires onto a trailer and hauling it down the road. Probably not a good idea. Exactly. The minivan's no longer the work. Yeah. So a lot of folks, surprisingly, don't even know the weight of their vehicle. Huh. Now, you can go to scales at truck stops, and you can drive over, and a lot of them are free. Some of them you have to pay a couple dollars for. Mm -hmm. um, that is a great way of figuring out the exact weight of your vehicle. Yeah. Because, you know, if you have, I'm going to use that same one example. If you've got a built JK Wrangler four-door, mm -hmm. if you go online and you look up what the weight of a JK Wrangler four-door is, it might tell you, you know, so many thousands of pounds. I'm just going to throw a number out there. It's probably wrong. Let's say it says it's 4,800 pounds. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that after you've taken out the factory axles and put it in one-ton axles and <laughs> winch bumpers and a winch and um, rock guards and all sorts of other stuff, that that vehicle still weighs 4,800 pounds. Yeah. That vehicle might weigh 6,500 pounds now. Yeah. So it's very important to know what the weight of the vehicle is. Oh, yeah, for sure. So now, once you know the weight of your vehicle, you need to figure out what you can use for a trailer. If you're going to borrow a trailer from a friend or if you're going to buy a trailer, you know, what, um, what is the weight of that trailer? Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of pull-behind, um, a lot of times they call them skid steer trailers. People use them for towing their rigs a lot um, or even just car hauler trailers. Weigh in that neighborhood of 1,400 to maybe 2,500 pounds. So you find out what the weight of the trailer is that you have or you're looking at. You put the two together. Now you go back to saying, okay, I'm going to shop for a tow rig. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a package deal. You know, obviously, you might not have a uh, trailer for towing your off-road rig if you don't have a tow vehicle yet. Most people buy the tow vehicle first. Yeah. So um, back to that, you know, 
like I said, look for something with the tow rating that you think you're going to need, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more. Um, you know, we can get into an episode in the future about gas versus diesel, whether or not your tow rig needs to have four wheel drive. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not your tow rig needs to be a semi truck if you're tow- <laughs> if you're towing a, a monster truck down the road. It sounds like a pretty good weekend, though. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, if you if if you're to that point, you're pretty hardcore. Oh yeah. Um. So, you know, those are all things to think about. Mm. And so, you know, moving on to the next part of it would be, um, so you figured out your tow rig and, you know, everybody's going to have their own decision. They're going to say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Dodge guy or I'm a Ford guy, a Chevy guy, I'm a Toyota mm-hmm. guy, um, Nissan. But, you know, and then some of them are going to say, I want a diesel or I want a gas. Yeah. Really... In all honesty, that's just going to depend on your personal preference. Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on the miles per gallon that you reasonably want to spend. And after that, it just goes by tow rating. Now, the tow yeah. rating, it, when it's given by the federal government, it tells you you know, how, how much this vehicle is going to reasonably be able to tow. So some states, you don't, you're not even based by the tow rating, yeah. but it is good to still try to keep into those parameters. That works. So why don't we take a quick break, John, and when we come back, we need to talk about trailer selection Mm. and how to safely tie down your equipment. Sounds good. See you in a bit. Hey, it sounds like it's time to swap out that old engine for something better, John. Yeah, man, but I have so much into my trans and transfer case set up already. I don't want to change those, too. Sounds like you need to call Quick Draw Brand Adapters. They specialize in conversion bell housings for nearly all diesel and gasoline engines, including the new 2.8R Cummins. You know, I like weird engines, though. I want something different. Then you definitely need to visit quickdrawbrand.com today. They have those hard-to-find parts. They also have used diesel engines available. You can call them at 513-446-9654. Cool, I'll do that. See what they have. Thanks. All right, welcome back, everyone. Um, I'm Keith Codet of Thin Line Off Road, and sitting across from me is Johnny Orange of Johnny Orange of Johnny Orange. <laughs> I like that. I, I'm Johnny Orange of Johnny Orange. Or we should just have it. I'm Johnny Orange of Orange. What's funnier? I don't know, man. <laughs> so before the break, we were talking about. Um, trailers, uh, well, tow rigs, and then we moved on. We said we're going to talk about trailers now. And I like you, pop-ups. You like They're pop-up simple, trailers? Yeah, you pull up, and then you just, it, it pops up, and you're ready to can, go. Can you fit your Jeep in a pop-up trailer? No. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> you keep borrowing my trailer, so I'm assuming you need one, to invent. One time. Oh, one time, <laughs> one time. Okay. I think it's been more than once, hasn't it? Uh well, when we told trailered, the XJ, when we I? trailered Project XJ home, yeah. Okay. So technically twice, I guess. All right. But so, that was a different trailer, in all fairness. So you know, <laughs> before the break, we were also talking about um, you know choosing a GVW. Trailers have the same thing. Trailers have a they don't have a gross combined vehicle weight rating. They just have a gross vehicle weight rating. And um, that should be on the tongue if it is an actual trailer that's been produced by a trailer manufacturer. Um, if it's a homemade deal, you, all bets are off, um, and you have to go by tire rating and axle rating. But if it's a trailer that's been produced, as most are, most people don't just make their own tow rig trailer, although some do, of course. 
Um, but if you're buying a trailer, most people are going to be looking at something that has at least a 7,000 pound tow rating. Um, but keep in mind, once again, that that is a combined tow rating with the weight of the trailer. So if the trailer itself that you buy weighs 1,800 pounds and it has a 7,000 pound tow rating, um, you know, now you're done. What's the math on that? Uh, you said 7,000? Yeah. So it weighs 7,000 or it's a 7,000 pound tow rating and, uh, the trailer weighs 1,800 pounds. That only 5, gives you, yeah, that gives you 5,200 pounds of working capacity. Mm. Um, which for many people with a smaller off-road rig, a Suzuki Samurai, a small Wrangler, um, it's plenty. Mm. And, you know, but if you're going to run a heavier rig, then you now you're going to be looking at trailers with a heavier um, gross vehicle weight rating, maybe all the way up to 10 or even 12,000 pounds. Mm. Now, it is interesting to note, though, that many states, uh, Michigan is not one of them, but many states require commercial plates on a trailer that's over 10,000 pound weight rating. Hmm. So a lot of states will make a trailer that has 12,000 pound axles under it, but they derate it to 9,900 pounds or huh. something like that. And that, that one of the first trailers I bought brand new uh, was exactly that. It was a 12,000 pound trailer made out of Kentucky um, at a company down there, but it had been derated to just under 10,000 pounds. Hmm. Um, once again, check your local laws because when you're driving through various states, um, certain states are going to go by the tag on the tongue. Other states are going to go by the type of axles you have. Um, hmm. And, you know, if you look at a trailer, the easiest way to differentiate between a lighter duty and a heavier duty trailer is the number of lugs that are holding on the wheels. So your light-duty trailers are going to be 4-lug or 5-lug. Your slightly heavier-duty trailers, really where you're starting to get into hauling vehicles on top of the trailer, are going to either be 5-lug or more likely 6-lug trailers. And each one of these, these lugs axles are going to have different weight ratings. Um, six lug axles typically are about 4,000 pound per axle. So if you have two axles under the trailer, you've got an 8,000 pound trailer. Nice. Um, if you have eight lugs, that is usually going to be at the low end, 4,500 pounds. At the higher end, depending on the exact axle assembly you have, maybe 6,000 pounds or even 7,000 pounds. Nice. So... Um, if you're hauling like a, a big heavy buggy on one ton, you might want to look at an eight lug axle trailer. Hmm. But the question, of course, remains now, John, have you ever out? I know you're out the farm in Memphis. Have you ever towed with a triple axle trailer? I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, friend had a boat that we did, yes. Do, do you long did you do long at distance on the triple axle? Not really. I don't think it was any more than maybe 10, 15 miles, if uh, that, and, that, and that's probably a stretch. Okay, so you don't necessarily know the pros and cons, then, of a triple axle trailer. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, Other the, than tires, it'd probably be more expensive. Well, there's that. <laughs> and the, really, the only pro of a triple axle trailer um, is going to be that you're going to have a heavier load capacity. Mm. The cons are you tend to scrub the tires on the front axle and the rear axle more when you're turning because of course the trailer axles don't steer yeah 
and you wear out trailer tires a lot faster. Makes so, sense. So most off-roaders, if you notice them, if you if you go to any park, you know, parking lot outside an off-road area, such as the Mounds or Bundy Hill Silver or anything, Lake. Silver Lake, yeah, you're going to see two axle trailers. Mm. One axle trailers, unless you're running a very very light snowmobile or mm-hmm. a motorcycle, are not adequate yeah. for towing um, your off-road rigs. You need Makes a du- dual axle trailer. Um. So, you know, do the law, the research and the laws in your state. And then after that, you're going to want to, you know, pick your trailer that you're going to, whether you buy it used or you buy it new. And then you're going to look at your options. Now, the first most important option, what, what do you think the most important option is for your trailer, John? Hmm. I mean, I, I would assume the weight. Well, the weight, that is, that is very important. Well, okay, so what would be the second most important one? Probably the material. I think we're going in a different direction. <laughs> Obviously, it, I'm new to this. <laughs> that it fits. That it fits your vehicle. That would make sense. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it, not that, or it fits everything you're planning on towing. Yeah. So let's say, um, for example, that you've got an old farm truck on your farm, and it's a crew cab long bed pickup truck, and it breaks down all the time, and you're always. You're always hauling it down to the mechanic in town to fix, mm-hmm. and you want to be able to do that yourself instead of paying $100, $200 towing bill every single time. Yeah. Then you need to measure the wheelbase of that truck and determine then that the the, the trailer you buy, will you know, that truck will fit on that trailer. Makes sense. So, you know, sure, if you've got a short wheelbase vehicle like uh, a Suzuki Samurai or a Tracker or a maybe an old CJ5 or a flat fender Jeep, mm-hmm. you can get away with a 12 or a 14-foot trailer. Yeah. You're not going to fit anything else on it, though. And you also need to think about, like, upgrades for the future. So if you're thinking in the back of your mind that, oh, you know what, maybe next year I'm going to buy one of those new um, JL pickups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, go look at the wheelbase, look at the length, and pick a trailer that's long enough to suit your yeah. needs and your intended needs that you can foresee in the next couple yeah. of years. It goes without saying you'd be want to be considerate of the the width of that too. Then, exactly. So the width of that, and you've got different options at that point as to whether you are going with a deck that goes between the fenders or a deck that goes over the top of the fenders, hmm. and. You know, if you have a deck that is over the top of the fenders, you need longer ramps to mm-hmm. get up onto it, and the deck sits higher. Um, the biggest disadvantage is many states limit deck over private trailers to 45 miles per hour. Huh. So, not a good idea if you are going to... Yeah, long haul. Long haul. <laughs> so, typically, you're going to be looking at a trailer that you can drive up and you can drive between the fenders strap down your vehicle and mm-hmm. go on your long haul makes sense so then your options of course are uh well you had mentioned material type right mm-hmm. so what type of materials um do you think would be beneficial for a trailer I or mean, pros and cons uh, steel and aluminum being the most obvious steel and aluminum are pretty much the only ones that you're gonna make. you're yeah. not going to make um, you know, way, way, way back in the day when the sand rails became popular and some of the early hot rod guys that started trailering their cars to car shows would make a trailer out of steel pipe. And hmm. that's not a good idea. Um, 
you know, these days these are C channel mm -hmm. uh, or rectangular channel frames, very heavy duty. So no need to get into all the history of the early trailers. Yeah. But you know, your modern trailers are pretty much built the same, with the exception of some are built out of steel, some are built out of aluminum. Mm -hmm. Aluminum's no. more. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, are, are we talking like the entire construction or the the predominant frame? Um, it's typically going to be the frame because I, I'm not aware of any aluminum axled vehicles. Mm -hmm. So, or aluminum axled trailers. Well, I mean, as far as the decking and the framing. Okay, and that actually, there are variations. Oh, okay. Some trailers are all aluminum. Mm -hmm. um, some of them have an aluminum deck over a steel frame. Okay. Uh, some have a wood deck over a, you know, whatever steel or aluminum frame. That's that's what predominantly what I've seen are the steel frames and then uh, the wood decking over that. That's going to be usually your cheapest option. Yeah. And it's actually one of your best options in many minds because... You can nail things down. If you mm -hmm. need to lay on the deck of the trailer to work on the vehicle in the hot sun, <laughs> it yeah. wood is more friendly than laying on steel. Oh yeah, and it's a lot easier to replace and repair. I know too. It is. I've we've had uh, so we we hauled some equipment last summer, and we actually had a piece break through the deck while we were going up I eighty in uh, Chicago. I, and you can cut that piece out. You yep, can replace that's it. What we had to do to repair it. We we did a patch we got by we got home and then he had to replace a couple decking boards on the trailer that's but, yeah. definitely um a benefit of going to a wood deck oh, yeah. trailer um and like like we said most folks do go with that but there's no nothing wrong with going to steel deck trailer oh, i i've used uh the very first vehicle i ever scrapped out was hauled on a, a steel steel deck trailer okay so um so you know different options out there mm. you know you have to kind of think about what's going to be best for you yeah um speaking of trailer options just briefly touching some interesting options that or some options you may want to consider are multiple tie down points instead of just having say one at each corner yeah um if you can buy a brand new one and get eight or ten tie down points that's going to be a benefit because you haul different things tie down mm -hmm. points are are there they can either be loops built into the deck on the side of the trailer and different ways of doing it, but tie down points are important. Ramp length that is huge. Um, you know, if or in style ramps, do you want a fold up ramp? If you're going to go with the fold up ramp, the bumper of your vehicle, the rear bumper of your vehicle, can't stick out past the end of the trailer. Mm -hmm. But if you are going to go with a slide in ramp, it could. Yeah. So if if you're in a space consideration, you know, buying a say a 16 foot trailer. And pulling your rig up there and your bumper sticks a little bit off the back, that's okay as long as you have slide-in ramps. Yeah. So that's something to look at. Um, a friend of mine just bought a uh, brand-new trailer from a pretty big trailer manufacturer, spent a lot of money, did a lot of custom stuff to it, gets the thing home, pulls the ramps out, and they're like three feet long. <laughs> the length of the ramps are so short that he cannot even pull a regular non-lifted 4x4 onto the wow. trailer. Wow. That's a moment. He, he, was, he was pretty upset about that. I and understand. I think, I think they've rectified the situation since. That's good. But, um, you know, those types of things can happen. So, you know, look at ramp length. Other yeah. things, if you're going to be dragging a lot of disabled vehicles on there, putting even just a cheap winch on the front of it, um, not That's a hand like what yours is. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've got a you know one of those Harbor Freight winches on the front of it, mm -hmm. and it works great for hauling things up. And a battery and a toolbox for straps. Yep. 
So, you know, these are all options. Um, you know, you can also choose if you're getting a steel trailer, whether you're going to go with painted or um, powder coated. Mm -hmm. And there are really benefits and drawbacks to both. Paint scratches easier, um, but paint's patchable easier. You know, if you have yeah. powder coating and you nick off part of the powder coating, it's going to rust there if you don't yep. patch it in. So a I lot had of some fenders that were powder coated and the the paint's gone. I really need to get those painted, actually. Fenders on a trailer? No, on a Jeep. Powder coated? Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the tube fenders, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, uh, the price was right, but the long-term survivability is not there. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, that's something to consider as well. Um, also, with the trailer, you need to make sure it pretty much goes without saying, and I'm not 100% sure if it's legal, if it's law in all 50 states at this point, but... Having brakes on every axle mm -hmm. is legal, is the law in most states. Yeah. So um, some trailer manufacturers as early or as uh, the right word, as late as five years ago, were still producing trailers that only had brakes on one axle. Hmm. That In the state of Michigan, that's not legal to yeah. haul a vehicle on a trailer that only has brakes on one axle. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of which, your tow rig is going to need to have a brake controller, and there's a many different ways of doing that. Maybe we could be, do a whole episode on brake controller picking sometime. That works. Um, but you know, you got to have a brake controller that then controls the brakes on the, on the trailer. Obviously, you need to have a little bit of um, training period if you're not familiar with Driving with a trailer, mm -hmm. going out to a parking lot, having a friend that does a lot of trailer backing up, showing you how to drive with a trailer. Yeah, that that takes some practice. I've tried, been trying for years, and I, it just doesn't click for me. Really? I can't back a trailer up to save my life. <laughs> well, you, you, usually you turn opposite of the way. Yeah, I, I know it's supposed to be small adjustments. I always go way over, and I just haven't learned to dial it in yet. One that, day I'll get it. That's a big thing. You can't be impatient backing yeah. in a trailer. Um, you you just like you said, small adjustments, like yeah. you were just saying, and that's that's ideal. Really, the last thing to talk about with tying down a, or, or using a trailer as a tow rig is tying down your rig and mm -hmm. how to properly do it. There's a lot of other things that we could kind of like nick on, but the most important thing is is getting your rig up there, mm -hmm. and then how do you secure it to the trailer? Yeah. Um, so you and I just moved that Cherokee the other day mm -hmm. and I kind of made fun of you cause I went yeah. around the back and, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what you were doing. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I had the right idea, but I apparently didn't. <laughs> you, you, it worked. your heart was but, in the right place and it yeah. worked out all right. Cause we, we decided to run with it. But, um, in most States it is law to have two tie down points front and two down, tie down points hmm. rear. With that being said, though, it is those tie down points need to be on what's called unsprung weight, which mm -hmm. is on the axles, on the lower suspension of the vehicle, if it's an IFS or IRS vehicle, mm -hmm. or even as you'll see many car carriers do, run one of those strap loop systems that goes over the whole tire. And then that's uh, what my buddy does with his sand rail. Exactly. Yeah. That's very popular with sand rails. And they take it up to Silver Lake and mm -hmm. places like that. Yeah. So that's those are different ways of doing it. You should need to check with your state laws of the state that you're in as to how to properly um, secure it down. Yeah. 
it is always a good idea, even if you can legally go with one tie down in the front and one in the rear, it's always a good idea to have the backup Absolutely. as in two. Um, Speaking of safety, this might be backing up a little bit, but making sure you have a spare tire. A spare tire, <laughs> a spare tire on your trailer, and yeah. your safety chains need to be crossed. Yes, I've been pulled over twice for that when I was a younger oh, man pulling a boat, <laughs> and they have to be crossed. And the reason for that is if there's a hitch failure, theoretically it will drop down into a cradle of an X and yeah. allow you to pull over the vehicle. Makes sense. And I've actually been in a vehicle where that happened once. Oh, that's it was scary. A, uh, a company I was working for. We had an aluminum frame trailer that snapped huh. on, a, on a rough road, and it cradled down in and wow. worked as it was supposed to. That's cool. That is a disadvantage of aluminum frame trailers as well. Um, in the early days, aluminum frame trailers are kind of a new thing in the last 15 or 20 years, and some of the manufacturers are still kind of getting the bugs worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, that company I was working for at the time, uh, it had a six-inch C-channel frame underneath it, and it was discovered that even though we had not overloaded the trailer, and they even weighed it with all the gear in it that it that it was supposed to have in it, mm-hmm. that six-inch C-channel aluminum was just not enough for the size of that trailer, and Jeez. it really should have been eight or ten inch. Wow! <laughs> so they did fix it, and it's good now. That's but, good. Um, you know, so those are all things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we could probably keep going on here. Oh, um, we do need to mention, your, like I said, unsprung weight, and then your tie-down points need to be two forward, two rear, mm-hmm. um, not strapping it over the hood, not over the roof yeah. of the vehicle, yeah. um, but check with your local regulations on that. And you all right there, John? Yeah, shoulder's bugging me a little shoulder's bit. Shoulder's bugging you? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we could probably go on a lot of other things with trailering, but that kind of gives you a tidbit of some of the hot points of what you need to do with trailering. Yeah. Um, John, where would you recommend them to go if they have more questions for us or for the general public about trailering or picking a tow rig? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could always contact us here at Wheel and Radio if you have specific questions on things. And, you know, as always, if we don't know the answer, we'll find out. Exactly. And uh, that and the uh, 4x4 Talk page on that's Facebook. That's a great pl- place to put those yeah. questions right there. Um, you can throw them up on 4x4 Talk. Um, there's other people that are enthusiasts that can chime in. John mm. or myself might chime in as well. Um, quite knowledgeable ourselves on proper trailering techniques. So that would be a really good place to put those. Um, you know, put those types of questions, you know, join four by four talk, by the way, if you're listening and you haven't joined four by four talk yet, we would recommend it. There will be some questions they'll ask you when you go to join for your email. You do not have to give us your email, but if you'd like to, uh, we'll put it into our archives for offering special discounts and things like that in the Mm. future. Um, we've been doing our, our weekly trivia prizes. We've had some winners. We've had some where nobody's responded to. Um, you know, do you want to do one this week, John? I think we can take a break for a week, maybe. Let uh, let the last one ride for another week, see if anybody gets it. You know, I like that idea because we had asked that question. We'll say the same question again. You want to do that or do you want to just let, make them listen to the last episode? I think we should make them listen to it. Okay. That's <laughs> what we're going to do. We're giving away four wheel and decals, so it's really easy. It's a pretty easy question about some off-road equipment. 
um, you need to listen to trail uh, to um, episode 13. And episode 13 is going to have that trivia question in it. And you can go ahead. Uh, we're going to extend that for a week. And the first four correct answers, um, there were two um, possible answers for the same question. I'm not going to give away what the question is. you got to go back to 13. Mm. And um, But two possible answers. If you get the first four people get it right, we're going to mail you a decal. And we did that on the 4x4 Talk page, if I remember correctly. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's already up on the 4x4 okay, Talk cool. page. So. Um, anything else you want to add, John? Nothing I can think of at the time or at the moment. Do your thing. Thanks for listening, and have a good one, everybody.